Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kenzie Dzinski, a licensed marriage therapist and certified professional coach. And this is a podcast for couples just like you who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. Thanks for joining us today. If it's your first time here, be sure to subscribe. And if you haven't already, I'd love for you to leave a rating and review so others know what to expect. And you guys, I am so excited because it's our 20th episode, and we are going to celebrate with a giveaway. I remember listening to a podcast back in 2014 or 15 that said most podcasts don't make it past the 20th episode. And so I started searching for that statistic online and couldn't find it anywhere, probably because it was from 2014 or 15. But nonetheless, we are celebrating that the Brave Marriage Podcast is here to stay because this is one of my favorite parts of my business, having the opportunity to talk to so many of you that I wouldn't otherwise get to in my practice. And so to celebrate, I am giving away a $100 date night in the form of a Visa gift card. So if you win, no using your gift card for gas or groceries, you have to promise me you'll use it for a date and tag me with a picture of you two. Okay, only if you want, that part is optional. But details to enter can be found on my Instagram feed, at Brave Marriage Podcast, and the winner will be announced next week right back here on the show. So when I asked you guys on my Insta story what you wanted to hear about this month on the podcast as we're talking about transitions, several of you wanted to hear about the transition into parenthood. And that request was made not just by parents, but by couples who don't yet have children. Essentially, you all wanted to know what it means to prioritize your marriage once children enter the scene because some of you are already in this season or because some of you are planning to be there soon. So that's where we're headed today. We'll talk about setting realistic expectations for the transition into parenthood, mindsets to adopt early on, speed bumps to look out for, and how to practically make your marriage a priority after becoming a family of three. When I was in college, I took a marriage and family studies class where the professor showed us a graph of marital satisfaction throughout the life stages of marriage. And as a 20-year-old, I was shocked because you know what that graph indicated? That marital satisfaction significantly decreases with the birth of the first child. And get this, it doesn't begin to significantly increase until children begin leaving the home. I know, (laughs) great way to start the episode. But there are dozens of longitudinal studies that replicate these same findings. John Gottman, of course, has done his own research, and after interviewing 150 pregnant couples before and after giving birth, what he found was that 67% reported a significant decline in marital satisfaction within the first three years of the child's life. Additionally, two-thirds of couples reported increased conflict, hurt feelings, and relational disappointments. And what I've learned over the years is that couples aren't aware of this reality as they transition into parenthood, nor are they aware of what it could mean for their marriages. So as you can imagine, when I share these facts, they're partially shocked that no one ever prepared them for this, but more so They're relieved to learn that they're not the only ones. And if you've recently made the transition into parenthood, neither are you. 
You're not the only mom experiencing extreme hormonal changes, which can significantly impact your mood, affect, and sex drive. You're not the only one with a changed and changing body, both in functionality and in the way things used to look and feel. You're not the only husband struggling with bonding to your baby like your wife has. You're not the only one who misses his wife and feels at a loss for how to tell her that without her shutting down or getting defensive. And you're not the only couple to experience sleep deprivation, exhaustion, stress, and miscommunication because guess what? You're in transition. This is one of the biggest transitions of your life. So I'm giving you permission to give yourselves a break because you've never done this before and it can take a while to adjust. But before we continue, this episode is brought to you by Courageous Conversations. Courageous Conversations is my brand new communication workshop for couples happening five weeks from now. If you're ready to talk like you never have and go deeper than you ever have before, then this workshop is for you. If you've enjoyed our previous conversations about communication and conflict, you'll love Courageous Conversations, the workshop, and best of all, you'll leave with the exact formulas for doing it yourself at home. The workshop will be held locally on Saturday, November 17th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., and space is limited, so be sure to save the date, call in your best babysitter, and grab your tickets at bravemarriage.com slash courageous conversations. Again, that's bravemarriage.com slash courageous conversations. So let's talk setting realistic expectations for your marriage in light of this transition. Because if you think couples have high expectations for marriage, that doesn't hold a candle to couples' expectations for parenthood or their assumption that having a baby together is sure to improve their relationship. And that's why Gottman's findings about couples experiencing marital disappointments once baby is born make perfect sense to me. Because we only ever hear about how sweet babies are. And they are. But we don't often hear about how hard the first few months are after baby is born. We always hear about how rewarding parenting is. Because it is. But we don't often hear about how difficult it can be to make time for your marriage or prioritize it, whatever that looks like after baby, right? And we hear about how amazing and attractive it is to see your spouse as a mom or dad, because it is. But we're not told that simply assigning new meaning to our spouse doesn't necessarily translate into a better relationship. So let me address the two most significant changes that occur to our relationships as we become parents. Time and attention. How we spend it, how we divide it, how we share it, and with whom. So before kids, we have more quality and quantity time and attention to give our spouses. But after kids, surprise, surprise, we actually have less of all of the above to solely give to our spouses. And so we have to learn to work together and do what each of us needs to do to make the moments we do have count. In order to do this, I want to talk about three mindsets to adopt to help you shift your focus and attention if you're in a season of parenting or planning to become parents in the future. First, repeat after me. I am for my spouse. 
Okay, if you can begin the transition into parenthood for each other, not against each other, not letting this transition divide you, then the odds of you transitioning well together and not losing each other are more likely. Remember, you're both new at this, and you're a team in it. If one of you has more experience with babies, champion your spouse and cheer him or her on, rather than judging or criticizing. If one of you has less experience with babies, be vulnerable and ask for help, rather than prideful or stubborn, leading to frustration. Show each other so much grace and help each other out, because you're not competing for who's the better parent, and for the partner who has more experience, it's okay that your spouse knows less than you thought they would. It's those pesky expectations for how parenting together would go that stand between you and your spouse working as a team and showing each other grace. So again, remind yourself as much as you need to, I am for my spouse. The second mindset to adopt is this moment matters. Here's what I mean by that. When you have an encounter with your spouse throughout the day, I want you to begin to think this moment matters and I have a choice. I can choose to turn toward my spouse and connect with him or her, or I can choose to disregard my spouse and remain disconnected. So when your spouse addresses you, notices you, touches you, or asks you a question, would it change things if you were to remind yourself that this moment matters? Perhaps instead of half listening or half responding, you'd pause what you're doing and pay attention. Perhaps instead of rolling your eyes or ignoring your spouse being goofy, you decide to laugh and join in. And maybe instead of continuing whatever chore you were in the middle of when your spouse gets home from work, you'd pause what you're doing and greet each other with a long hug or meaningful kiss before you return to whatever needs to get done. Okay, these moments, guys, are not insignificant or inconsequential. Truly, what you choose can lead to the death or life of your relational closeness and emotional connection. The third and final mindset to adopt is intentionality over time. It's not enough to be super intentional a few days out of the month if you're not connecting more regularly. Ingrained gestures are great, but not realistic for everyone, nor what couples need to be aiming for, which we'll talk about later. Because you're playing the long game, and what matters is how the little moments we just talked about add up to form a foundation of positivity and friendship, which are requirements to get to the deeper love that we talked about on the podcast last week. Now, before I get into practical tips, I also want to address a little something called resistance, which you may encounter as you begin to try and shift your mindset or take action on these practical tips. Resistance is what comes up for us when we are attempting something new and different, but we've never implemented it before. It's a normal part of the change process, but it can win out and keep you stuck where you are if you're not aware of what's happening. So quickly, I want to help make you aware of some resistance you might encounter so that you can recognize it and simply view it as a speed bump that you have to get over before change can take root in your life and marriage. Ergo, three speed bumps to look out for. Number one, we don't have time. We have way too much to do as it is and not enough time to do it. Okay, this is a common one because what parent feels like they have extra time? 
I don't know any. (laughs) But the thing is, time is a finite resource, which we have to learn to use appropriately. Let's compare it to learning to create a budget. So when you two got married, it's not likely that you saved, spent, or stewarded your money in exactly the same way. But as you transitioned from two budgets to one, combining your lives and income, you had to figure out where you would allocate your resources. Okay, and even if that's not you, hang with me here. Because in the same way, when baby comes, you have no more time than you did before, and yet, you've got to figure out a time budget, if you will, that works for your family. Number two, a speed bump you might encounter is, we'll work on our marriage later. Right now, our baby is our first priority, so when our kids are older, we'll do the work. It's just too much to worry about right now. Yes, your priorities have shifted, and necessarily so. Literally, someone's life depends on you, right? But here's the reality. If you don't make time to work on your marriage now, you won't make time for it later. See, this speed bump comes from taking a present-moment, short-term approach instead of seeing the big picture. And going back to the thought of intentionality over time, little moments now add up later, for better or for worse. And according to the law of entropy, your marriage won't be in the same place it is later. If left unattended, things will slowly but surely become more chaotic rather than spontaneously get better. So if you feel this one creeping in for you, which it does for many couples, just recognize the error of that thought and decide to work now on your marriage. And the third speed bump to look out for is this. We're actually getting along better now than we did before we had little Johnny. Okay, this one is actually the most insidious of all because it's couched in something that seems positive. I hear this one a lot from couples who enter a honeymoon phase again after bringing home baby. But the thing is, the rose-colored glasses will fade, just as we talked about last week. And in 5, 10, or 15 years from now, as your baby needs less of your time and attention, you'll once again be faced with each other and the fact that you never dealt with what was there before baby. Friends, I see this all the time. So what I'm telling you is that If there were issues in your marriage before baby, they're still there if you've never dealt with them. So if the speed bump is keeping you from making change in your marriage, know that one, you're not alone, and two, and this one's important, as my own parents have said, people make terrible saviors. And I'd like to add, so do babies. So lest you be fooled by emotional reasoning, your children are not your saviors, or your therapists, for that matter. And on that happy note, (laughs) I want to end this episode by giving you some practical ways to actually prioritize your marriage. Because that seemed to be a buzzword in the feedback you all gave me, yet some of you said you couldn't nail it down. That you wanted to know what prioritizing your marriage, quote-unquote, looks like in real life. And I think part of the problem for couples is that they expect that prioritizing their marriage should look like it did before. But that's just not true. If you try to schedule a two-hour date night each week, and that's just not feasible for your family's schedule or situation, you're just going to build up frustration, and that's going to be counterproductive to what you're actually trying to accomplish. Okay, 
So parents need a new way of looking at spending time together and learning to value the minutes they have instead of wishing for hours or blocks of time that just aren't there all the time. So I hope these ideas are encouraging to you and allow you to potentially give yourselves way more grace with a dose of reality than you've given yourselves before. Now, if you go back to episode number three, Doing Marriage with Intention, you'll find linked in the show notes Gottman's Six Hours to a Better Relationship. Because from his research, he and Nan Silver found that one of the differences between the masters of marriage and disasters of marriage came down to a simple six hours of time together per week. Now, I'm about to show you exactly how doable this is, because I know six hours can sound overwhelming, but when you break it down, it's actually not burdensome at all. In fact, it's usually quite a relief for couples. It's just a matter of reimagining what prioritizing your marriage actually looks like as you transition from couplehood into parenthood. And just as we talked about, how you budget your time for your family will be completely unique to you. Meaning, don't compare your marriage to other people's marriage, because how you as a couple choose to spend these six hours will look completely and radically different than the next couple, depending on how far into parenthood you are, the age and stage of your baby, the support system you have available to you, and the limits that are already defined for you because of your work or life rhythms. So, without further ado, here are 10 practical ways to prioritize your marriage relationship. Number one, create wake-up and bedtime routines, not just for your kids, but for you two to connect, even if just for five minutes in the morning and at night. Number two, create leaving and coming home rituals to simply acknowledge each other and briefly connect during your day. Number three, have a 10-minute stress-reducing conversation every day. Keyword there, stress-reducing. That means listening, supporting, and comforting one another, not complaining, problem-solving, or offering your advice. Number four, Express one thing you're thankful for in your partner every day so that not only are you being mindful of each other, but you're verbally affirming your spouse. Who doesn't want that? Number five, touch non-sexually for 10 minutes a day. Set an alarm if you have to. Physical touch keeps you guys connected both physiologically and emotionally. Now, before I go on and give you the second half of the list, I'd like to point out that if you and your spouse committed to each of these first five things every day for 10 minutes a day, that would add up to the six hours that Gottman recommends. So like I said, it's more doable than you'd think. Okay, continuing on with the list. Number six, schedule me time for each other. Basically, bless each other by creating space for your spouse to have grown-up time or alone time. Number seven. Schedule us time. Especially after the kids go to bed, this is your all's prime time when the kids are little. It can be easy to just unwind together rather than emotionally engage, which I get. But if your kids are older than a few months old, consider adding us time back in once a week at least and go from there. Number eight, schedule sex. 
It will not happen as often as you want it to unless you do. And again, once you're a couple of months out from bringing baby home, have a conversation with your spouse about your expectations moving forward and then readjust as family life allows. Number nine, establish weekly State of the Union meetings where you can talk about schedules for the upcoming week, things that need to be addressed with your kids or each other, but this provides a time to make sure you're on the same page and it prevents problem talk from creeping up into every conversation throughout the week. And number 10, establish a regular date night. And again, regular will look different for everyone, mainly dependent upon work schedules, finances, and support systems. Nonetheless, aim for what's doable for you. Your action step today is to sit down with your spouse sometime this week and look at how you're spending your time and attention. And I first want you to find the gaps or openings that are filled with less important things than your spouse. And secondly, I want you to pencil in the ideas I just mentioned to begin to subtly shift the way you spend your time to make small, positive changes over time. And while you're at it, if you happen to have November 17th free and you'd like to get your six hours in on one Saturday that week, I would love to have you join me for the Courageous Conversations workshop. My prayer for your marriage this week is that as you transition into parenthood or consider moving that direction, that you'd be mindful of how you spend your time and attention, wisely remembering that time is but a breath, and by making the most of every moment and opportunity that presents itself. For the glory of God and good of your marriage. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Love is not a battle. Love is not a bond. Love is just as fragile. 